Welcome to Seven Mile Ministry. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, good morning. So like Mark mentioned about Wednesdays, um, at 6.30, we're going to have a men's group and women's group, both on the same night, uh, Wednesdays at 6.30. Child care will be provided. It'll be one hour. So when one hour's up, shut up, quit talking, because your kids are next door and they're ready for you to come get them. Um... Also, we're, we're probably going to have some services also on Wednesday nights. It won't be every Wednesday night, but it'll be, we're going to mix it in there. And we'll, we'll figure that out as we go, okay? Because some people want the men's group, women's group. Some people want service. So uh, we're going to do a little bit of both. How about that? That'll be at 6.30. And remember, on Saturday mornings, we have prayer up here at 9. 9, 9 a.m. And everybody's welcome to come and join that. So... That's what's coming up. Um, did anybody sleep in their church clothes last night? Nobody? Y'all got, y'all got dressed this morning? So, good, I'm glad. I mean, you had to get out of the bed, and some people took a shower, and spent a little time getting dressed, and some people spent some time, like me, doing your hair. It takes a little time to get it just right. But my point is this, is uh, every week there's people asleep here, like at church, some of you guys asleep, like so asleep, like you're open, your mouth's open, flies are having a party in there. There's people on their phones texting or looking at Facebook or whatever it is that you do not paying one single bit of attention or talking or whatever it is. What My point is this. If you got up out of the bed this morning, got dressed, did your hair and makeup, did all that, and drove here, you may as well pay attention while you're here. <laughs> you can stay home and sleep. You can stay home and play on your phone. You can stay home and chit-chat, whatever it is. But let's, let's, let's pay attention. How about that? Like, give reverence to God's Word. That's why we're here, to grow and to learn and to hear the Word and leave here better than we came in. Amen? Amen. All right. So, got that out of the way. Just want to get on a few people before we get going. But no, it, it, it is, uh, it's, uh, it's important to hear the Word. It can go right over your head and miss it and leave out no different than you came in. Um. I know I've taught classes before, and me and Stick, sometimes we would, we would teach people how to ride motorcycles, and these guys would come, and sometimes kids would come, and their parents are paying their way, and we would be talking to them. I remember one time in specific, I'm talking to these people, and one kid's just looking the other way. Like, we're over here, he's just staring at like a squirrel or something. And I'm thinking, your dad just paid money, loaded you up, brought you here, and you're not even paying, you're not going to improve. You're not even paying attention. Well, hey, the same thing applies to church, right? Except this is way more important than riding a motorcycle. Amen. So, I want to start off with the scripture right here. I had to dig deep to pull this scripture out. Deep. Real deep. Many people have never even heard of this scripture. So, let's look at it. John 3.16. <laughs> no. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son so that who, whoever, whosoever believes in Him, believes on Him, shall what? Not perish, but have eternal life. God so loved the world that whosoever believes on Him, believes in Him. That's a word we quote all the time. It's a it's, everybody knows the Scripture. It's the most... Popular scripture in the entirety of the Bible. We can agree on that, can't we? John 3.16. And there's even been some idiots that's had their own shirts made, some wrestler, and he put his name, and then under he put 3.16. That's a terrible thing. That's a, that's a terrible thing. But 
For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. God so loved. I was thinking about that this week. I've been thinking about it all week. I was thinking about it last week. But God so loved. He so loved. Not righteous, perfect people that's got it all together, but He loved the world. Worldly people. He so loved the world that He did what? He gave His only begotten Son. He sent His Son to die on the cross. A torture tool was used. Jesus was crucified on the cross. Why? Because God so loved the world. He so loved the world for a bunch of whosoevers. And you know, there's like 3,000 galaxies, I believe, and God obviously spoke a word and He creates galaxies. He, he speaks words and things are created. And uh, there's 3,000 galaxies and we're on one of them. We're, we're kind of a little, we're, we're really not that big of a deal. We're not. I mean, there's people on this earth that think that they're a big deal. But in reality, in the big scheme of, of things, we're, we're really not that, we're kind of little. We're kind of little. But God so loved us, the world, us, that He gave His only begotten Son. That he went to a cross and died for us. Why? Because he so loved the world. Now, we'll jump down here to Romans real quick. In Romans, the fifth chapter, starting in the sixth verse. For when, uh, we were still without strength. In due time, Christ died for the ungodly. He died for the ungodly. For scarcely. Uh, for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even die. In other words, giving your life for a really good man. Sometimes, scarcely, sometimes somebody will die for a really good man, and then on occasion, sometimes you might even dare to die for a good man. But God demonstrates His love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When we were not good, in fact, we've never been good. There's only one good, and it's God. But the, the best that you've ever been, that's still not good. I'm saying we're not good. Without Christ, we're, we're, we're nothing. The only thing that's good is Christ that lives in us, right? And He makes us good. Jesus qualified us when He went to the cross. Amen. But He demonstrates His love towards us while we were still sinners, while we were still living in the world, while we were still on drugs, while we were still doing whatever it is that we were doing, right in the middle of the sin, shooting up heroin, uh, right in the middle of uh, adultery, right in the middle of uh, being a thief or a murderer or a liar, whatever it is. He loved us so much that He died. He went to a cross and died for us. Amen. Our sins are cast as far as the east is from the west. His blood took care of sins, past, present, and future. Past, present, and future. I know that for a fact because He went to a cross and died before I was born. And His blood took care of my sins because His blood takes care of sins, past, present, and future. That's how much He loves us. Get a hold of this love. God so loved the world. God so loved the world. His, he loved and died for bad people. He died for bad people. He died for people. Here's the deal. He went and died for people. He died for me. And through the course of time, I loved Him back. I loved Him. I loved Him back. Because He first loved me. That's scriptural. But you know, He died for some people knowing when He died for them that they'd never love Him back. That they'd never love Him back. He went to a cross and died for people who would never love Him back. It's a little different, isn't it? Do something to help somebody that would appreciate you or hopefully be your friend or something like that. And uh, We can't see into the future, but we've all helped some people before that never loved you back. Amen. Amen. He knew it beforehand. He knew that some would and some wouldn't. And yet He still went. He didn't, he didn't separate you understand? God so loved the world. God's obsessed with us. He loves us. He can't help but love us. He is love. So I was thinking about this week about so love. God so loved. He so loved the world. And I was thinking about my love, your love, what, what we consider love to be. And, and I remember um, you know, thinking that I couldn't possibly love my wife anymore. 
20-something years ago, you know, in my mind, thinking I couldn't possibly love her anymore. Like, this is it. Like, I can't love you anymore. Like, I'm loving you as much as I can. Like, everything I got right here, I love you. Jump out in front of a train for you, die for you, kill for you. Love you. But then, she got pregnant. We have a baby. And it's Mackenzie, who's not here this morning. She is at the hospital working, and she's sitting there, Jackie's sitting there holding this little baby. A little baby that we created. And so I'm sitting there looking at her holding this baby, and I'm thinking, I love you more than I did yesterday. Like, I don't know what it did to me, but something changed, and now I love you even more. I remember. I remember it. Like, I mean, I vividly remember, I do love you more. I love you more. Something changed. That baby changed me. And now all of a sudden, we have this little creature that we, we've created, and we bring her home, and we put her crib there in the room, in, in our room, and every time in the middle of the night that she would even wiggle or make any kind of a sound, you've got to get up and look. She's good. You get up and you look. She's good. And then, you know, years later, the boys come along, and we put them on the far end of the house. And they're crying a lot. We, we'll be like, do you hear something? No, we're not. <laughs> I wish I was joking, but. Anyway, we're looking at her. And you just look at her. You just stare at her. Just look at her. It's like, wow. When they're sleeping, you know, Jackie will be like, come here and look at this. You know, and she'd fix her hair and do the bows and do all that stuff. You know, come here and look at her. And then sometimes she's sleeping. Oh, come here and look at her. And you just, you just stand there. Look. She's asleep. <laughs> but we're just standing there looking at her. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Why? Because you love. It's love. You just stare at it. You just look at her. Just looking at her. It's like, man, I didn't realize I could love anything like this. Like it just does something to you and, and changes you. And I know there's some of you sitting here thinking, no, I didn't have parents like that. And I understand. I know. I don't know how that happens. I really don't know how that happens, how some parents don't love their children or cruel to their children. It's, it's definitely uh, Satan. God didn't put put that in you, but the love I'm talking about actually comes from God. Without God, you can just like people. But without God, you, you can't love somebody. You can just like somebody because God is love. Amen? But we're sitting there staring at these kids and I was thinking about, you know, that's the reason we were created is, is love. God created us. Because he, he loves us. We're the object of the love. And we're uh, in, in my life, so we've, we've got McKenzie, and then, and then here comes the boys along. And we had, if you don't know, we had triplets, and they're all born at the same time. And they're down at the hospital, and they're just teeny tiny little things like this. I mean, so tiny. And they have tubes and stuff. All kind of stuff just running all out of them. It was, it, was, it was a tough thing to look at. But you just looked at them. That's all you could do. They wouldn't let us touch them. But you still, you just, you just looked at them. And uh, it's a tough thing, especially as a man, because you want to do something. Because those are mine, and I created them, and I want to protect them. But I can't, I can't do anything. Like, I can't physically do anything. I can't beat anybody up and make it better. You know, I can't protect them. And uh, I was definitely in a different place in life then, but nevertheless, I did feel this love, this unexplainable love. And it reminds me of when I was a kid, and my mom would say, You understand when you have kids? Because I would ask her, Can I go do this? No. Why? Because I love you. Well, if you love me, you let me go. And she'd just say, no, you understand when you have kids. You understand when you have kids. You understand when you have kids. All that. And then you know what? When I had kids, I, when I, had kids I understood. I understood. I understood that, 
That's why she didn't let me go, because she just knew something I didn't know. And uh, she would say, I, I steal this. I use this on my kids. And she would say, because I'm mean, and when you grow up and have kids, you can be mean to your kids. <laughs> and that's what be my excuse, her excuse why I couldn't go somewhere, because she's mean. And you can be mean to your kids one day, but until then, you're mine. So I was thinking about this love, thinking about the love of God. So thinking about the love like you have for your wife. And I know this, does, this, this kind of sounds strange to be a man, but you know, I mean, if you're a man, but the Bible tells us we're the bride of Christ. We're the bride of Christ. There's a love there. There's an intimate love there. God loves you. That's why Jesus loves you as the bride of Christ. The love like you love your wife or like you love your husband. That's how he loves you. But we're also children of God. So he also, if you're trying to relate our love, how much you love your kids. What you, you do anything for them, you'll just stare at them. You'll just stare at them. You'll go to the ballpark, and even though it was really a strike and they were really out, you still want to go over there and slash the umpire's tires because <laughs> you called my boy out. You know, crazy kind of love. My mom did that. <laughs> she did that when I was only like five. She went and looked... Stabbed a hole in the ump's tire. Yeah. <laughs> crazy. She's crazy. Just crazy love. You know? We get crazy, don't we? Parents get crazy at the ball field. Get crazy. Because that's my boy and that's my girl. Uh-uh. I saw the other day on Facebook where some kid uh, up in Summerton and this man, the umpire, grabbed him by the face mask. And then all, the, I mean, coaches come out from everywhere and I thought they were going to pound the ump and they scared him off the field and everybody's just dogging out the ump. But I was thinking to myself, what did the kid say or do? Like, did he drop a few of those word, four-letter words? Did he, I mean, because if that's the case, I would want the ump to grab my kid by the face mask and chew him out. Maybe the kid didn't. Maybe the kid just said, you know, good play. I don't know. But for some reason, the uncle grabbed him and chewed him out. But the parents, you know why the parents went crazy? Because they so loved. They so loved. So loved. They so loved. My daughter broke down one time in the middle of the night in a bad part of town. I got my truck. I stomped it to the floor. I'm talking about to the floor. And I say to the floor. I'm talking about matted to the floor in my neighborhood. And I know there's a police officer that's the member, a member of our church, but put your fingers in your ears. But anyway, <laughs> I, was, I was going like 90 miles an hour through Pine Meadow neighborhood. I mean, I had it. I was pinning it to win it. You know what I mean? You know why? Because I so loved I didn't care. I did not care. I'm rolling. We're going. And I grabbed a bunch of guns on the way. Went out the door, you know, because I, I, I so loved, so loved, so loved. Amen? That's how God loves you. But way more than that, way more than we can understand. I'm just trying to somehow try to help us understand it. But He just likes to stare at you. When you're sleeping... Or whenever you're just sitting on the couch watching TV or whenever you're at work or whenever you're on the ball field, he just likes to look at you. He just likes to stare at you. You can't get away from him. Like my kids, they can't get away from my love. Like I may go up there in a moment and take my belt and beat them if they keep talking and stuff up there, you know what I mean? But it's because I love them. I say, I love them. I love them. I see y'all up there. So I, I love them. They can't escape it. They may make some mistakes in life. I mean, they may go join the Taliban. They're not going to. I'd still love them. I'd still love them. I wouldn't agree with the choice. But I still love them. They're mine. I love them. I love them. God loves you that way. Even when you're making bad choices. He so loved. He so loved. He so loved the world. So loved. We've been talking about forgiveness and loving thy neighbor, and you'll never forgive anybody. You'll never be able to forgive anybody like I'm talking about until you grasp this love. 
that God has for you. Because it's only the love of God that will abide inside you to enable you to forgive and to love others. Amen? So 750 years before Jesus, God shows up and He shows up. Well, He showed up many times. One time in specific here. Um, he shows up and there's a man named Hosea and Hosea was a prophet and he, he came right after Amos. And, you know, prophets in the Bible, they had assignments. They had a lot of times very peculiar assignments. We would say that's kind of strange or kind of peculiar assignment. And um, you see these prophets, they'd speak it, but they would live it as well. That, that'd, be, that'd be pretty cool, wouldn't it? If we spoke it and lived it as well, because there's a whole lot of speaking it going on, it's just hard to see because you can't tell because people aren't living it. Walk it and talk it, talk it and walk it, speak it and live it. Y'all following me? So we say one thing, but a lot of times we do another. But these prophets, they would speak it and they would live it as well. And they're examples of you and I. We should speak it and we should live it. And Hosea was like a speaker. He was like that speaker right there to the nation of Israel for God. So God is speaking to him. He was the speaker to the nation of Israel. He was a very important figure. He's a very important person. Um, he, was, he, was, he was respected and... Um, he was uh, probably one of the most popular main guys, main people in the nation at that time. And he was given an assignment, a very peculiar assignment, a very difficult assignment. You have to understand, this is a prophet of God. This is a righteous man. This is a holy man. And God speaks to him and said, all right, Jose, I've got an assignment for you. You ready? He said, I'm ready. He says, okay, go and marry a prostitute. Go marry a prostitute. Hold up now. Did, tell me that one more time. Did I hear you correctly? I'm a prophet. And you want me, a righteous man, a prophet, a speaker, for you to go and marry a prostitute? That was his assignment. So God, I mean, so Hosea goes and he finds Gomer. God, God bless her. <laughs> Talking about your parents loving you or not loving you. They evidently didn't love that girl. <laughs> oh, Gomer. Hope nobody here is named Gomer. Is anybody named Gomer? <laughs> Sorry. But uh kind of reminds me of a Cleopas, you know, where the name Seven Mile Ministry comes from in the book of Luke. We're talking about old Cleopas thinking, poor guy named Cleopas. <laughs> but old Gomer. Hosea goes out and finds Gomer and he marries her. He makes her his wife, a prostitute, a promiscuous, a harlot, a lady who's been living on the street, you know, like we used to say in high school down there on 4th Avenue. I don't think it's 4th Avenue anymore. It's probably just every avenue. <laughs> it's, it's times have changed. But we'd say go down on 4th Avenue. You know, we'd just kid around and say go on 4th Avenue. Or sometimes we'd just go to look. Well, we were just little stupid teenagers. We thought it was cool. We're, we're going just to look. We're going to go see, look and see if we can see some prostitutes down here on 4th Avenue. And I, I bet she is, you know. But... Um, Hosea goes and marries Gomer, and they have, uh, I believe they have a son, the first child's a son, if I'm not mistaken, then they have a daughter, and then they have another son. So now they have a family, they have a house, and Gomer's cooking supper, you know, and they, after school, they've got ball practice, baseball, maybe cheerleading for the daughter, you know, just a, just a pretty good little family going on here, you know, husband, wife, happily married, three kids. Life's going pretty good. Seems to be. And then one morning, what happens is, uh, and, and let, me, let me reiterate this. This is, this, is a, this is a famous man. This is somebody. Kind of reminds me of the movie Pretty Woman. 
Julia Roberts and who was the dude's name? That Richard Gere and he he married her. And he was somebody, he was he was a millionaire, I believe, in the movie, and uh, he marries Julia Roberts, but he wakes up one morning and they're gonna get ready to go to church, maybe. And she's not there. And he says, well, maybe, you know, she's down here in the kids' room and she's not there. Maybe she's in the kitchen she's not there. Well, maybe, I don't know. Anyway, she went to the store to get ice cream and she never came back. She disappeared. She wasn't there. My wife, she's not here. The mother of my three children. We've made a home together. I love her. She loves me. We have kids. We have, we have some history here together. And she's gone. Where is she at? She's gone. And this is a famous man, a leader. He's well respected. He's a, a seer in the community, if you will. He's uh, supposed to be an example of others. He's uh, a beacon of hope to the nation of Israel. Now he can't even keep his wife at home. And this is where we pick up the story. Hosea, the third chapter, the first verse. Then the Lord said to me, Go again, love a woman who is loved by a lover and is committing adultery, just like the love of the Lord for the children of Israel who look to other gods and love the raisin cakes of the pagans. And I know we don't get really excited about a raisin cake. I do like raisin bread. Heat it up, put a little butter on it, it's good. But what he's saying is worldly things, idols and, and different things of that of, of, of the world. So I bought her for myself, I bought her for myself 15 shekels of silver and one and one half homers of barley. He went and bought her. It was his wife. He was already his wife. He's already got her. He's already married her. She's his and he's hers. The two have already become one. She's got the deed and he's got the deed. They're one. They belong to each other. That's what happens when you get married. You're no longer yours, but you're his. And you're no longer yours, but you're hers. You're one. You're together. I'm your husband. I'm your wife. That's what she was. And he goes and buys her back with silver and homers. The title of today's sermon is A Homer for a Gomer. A homer for a gomer. <laughs> That's a good one. But he goes and buys her back. And um, he says to her, You shall stay with me many days. You shall not play the harlot, nor uh, you shall have another man. So too will I be toward you. For the children of Israel shall abide many days without a king or prince, without sacrifice, a sacred pillar, without ephod or teraphim. The nation of Israel had a different idea of what love was. The gods, uh, talking about the raisin cakes and the pagans and all that, they had a different idea of what love was and God showed them what love is. Their idea of what love was is that love is something that can be purchased. You can go and buy some love. And a lot of people think that still today. It hasn't changed a lot, has it? You can. You can buy some friends and you can buy some love. They'll love you and they'll be your friends as long as you got money, as long as you're paying for things. But when the money dries up and you all washed up, where are they at? Buy love. And they thought love was, you know, uh, like a pursuit of self-gratification, if you will. It's all about myself. Our love is like inanimate objects, things, buying things. It's no different really than today. It's just the things that they bought and the things that they love were perhaps a little bit different. They didn't have cars and trucks to drive around. But there was a lot of things that they did have and a lot of things that would distract them and things that they would say love. You know, we say love, love you, love you, love you. Do you love it? I love it. Do you like, you want to go to Mexican? Yeah, I love it. You can't love it. You can't love it. You can't love ice cream. You can't love Mexican. You can't love a car or truck. You can't love it. It's a word that we throw around lightly, used, no big deal. But it's a big deal because God so loved the world. 
that He gave. See, when you love, you do give. Love is an action. Love is not a feeling. There are feelings associated with love, but when we get up in the middle of the night take care of the boys, those feelings, I didn't feel like doing it. I did it because I loved them. Amen. Amen. Sometimes when you load everything you've got up and go spend the whole day doing something that they enjoy and you're sitting out in the hot sun cooking or baking or out in the cold weather freezing, you do it because you love them. You don't love it, you love them. It's an action. I love you. That's why I'm doing it. I love you. Amen. There's, my wife does a lot of things for me because she loves me. Sometimes I can talk her into going out in the woods and uh, we go out, you know, riding sometimes. And she doesn't care anything about getting covered in mud and wet and flipping over on a hill and stuff like that, but she loves me. She loves me. I got up yesterday and I was going to go out with. Uh, them out on 280 and um, because I love them. I don't love 280. I care less if I ever went that direction ever again. <laughs> I don't care anything about it. I don't like the traffic. The whole shopping thing it, it, it's, that's, it's just not I don't fit in very well over there. It's not my thing. But I, I love them. Get up and drive all the way across. And I like those city bowl things. I think they're way overpriced and it's stupid that you're going to pay $11, $12, $14, $15 for a bowl of granola and some fruit thrown on top of it. But I, I ate the fire out of it. <laughs> but I went because I, I love them. You understand? It's an action. And I hope you do the same as well and do things that you don't necessarily want to because you love, but... God comes on the scene here and He shows up and what He is demonstrating to His people is what love really is. And He says, Hosea, go, go find her, go get her, and marry her. And so Hosea goes looking. He goes looking. A public figure, a righteous man, a seer in the community, somebody, somebody that's a... See, Somebody. And now he's going to leave and he's going to go looking. Where's he going to go looking? He's going to go looking down there on 4th Avenue. He's going to go down there looking where the prostitutes hang out because that's the life that she went back to. And he says, go looking. What's that look like? Can you imagine if it was today on TV? And let's just say there was an area here in town where the prostitutes hang out and all of a sudden me or some other pastors walking down the sidewalk, you know somebody's going to take a picture of it and put it on Facebook or on the news or on social media and go, look, the pastor's down here where the prostitutes hang out. That's what's going to happen. That's what's going to happen. What if I had to go into the ABC store to buy a little bottle of something that they make and sell up there that goes into a peanut butter pie? Because they do. They make a little something and you put it in the peanut butter pie and it's dang good. But I've never gone in the liquor store to buy it. Because I'm afraid that some of you will see me. And I'll say, I promise it's for the peanut butter pie. And you'll be like, sure. Sure it is. And in this case, the beer is for the, it's, it's to marinate the chicken. Our little secret. But that's what he did. He had to go down into that area of town. And he's looking for what did it look like. You're going up to other prostitutes. Hey, yeah, I'm looking for, uh, have you seen Gomer? Have you seen Gomer? Yeah. I've, um, I've got my phone right here. Let me, um, this is, uh, have, you, have you seen her? No, I haven't seen her. Have you seen her? Oh, yeah, I saw her last week. Yeah, she was a couple of streets. So she's working that corner over there. What did it look like? What did it look like? That's what he did. He went looking for where the prostitutes hang out. And he's got perhaps a picture of her. I guess he'd had it'd been a hand-drawn picture, wouldn't it? <laughs> I'm fast-forwarding it to today's time. Maybe he comes up to a dude, some man, hey, have you seen this lady right here? Let me get a look at her. Oh yeah, I've seen her. I've seen her. Saw her last week and the week before. In fact, I've been seeing her every week. Why do you ask? Well, it's my wife. 
Oh, sorry, dude. It's okay. Just tell me where you've seen her. And so, Bible scholars actually say that when Hosea found Gomer, that she was actually on an auction block, being sold or perhaps maybe rented, would be a better word, to the highest bidder. Kind of reminds me of the movie with that Liam. What's his name? Liam Neeson. And they stole his daughter. And when he finds her, she's on the auction block. Y'all remember? Kind of like that. Similar. And he finds her. And there she is. Excuse me, sir. um, How much? How much? That's my wife. I don't care who you say she is. She may have used to have been your wife, but she's mine now. And there's a price associated with it. It's going to cost some silver and one and one half homers of barley. That's the cost. Okay, that's fine. I'll pay for her. Buying his wife back. He pays for what's already his. In case you haven't figured it out already in this story, but Hosea is God. And the earth, he created earth. Earth is God's and the fullness thereof. And we are his unique creation. We are his prized possession. He so loved us. He created us because he loved us and he wanted a relationship with us. He was his unique creation. We belong to him. Whether you realize it or not, you belong to God. So you belong to God and he says, I'll buy you back. I'll buy you back. Even though I created created you, and even though you're mine, I will buy you back. I'll buy, how much? How much? How much for, for that one? Your blood? Your life? Okay, I'll pay. I'll pay. Hosea paid. Even though it was already his, he paid. And then after he paid, in the third verse, he says, You shall stay with me many days. You shall not play the harlot, nor shall you have a man. So too will I be toward you. You know what he's doing? He's renewing his vows. That's renewing his vows. He says, You were once my wife, and we had our children, but you ran off and left me. I come and buy you back. In other words, he, he renews his vows. He marries her again. God says, go get her and marry her again. And many times we surrender our life to Christ. We say, I want to get saved. We believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that you're our Lord and Savior. You're the King of kings. And we're living for you. But then we mess up and we make a mistake. Maybe we fall back into the same sins that he rescued us out of. But you know what? He's always staring. He's always looking at you. He's always following you around. He's always there. You can't outrun Him. You can't get away from Him. He's there. And He says, even though you, 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 you fell into this, guess what? I'll buy you back. I'll buy you back. I'll remarry you. What a great picture of love. I don't think my conversation would have went like that. Can you imagine Gomer? When she's up there for sale, she knows she's abandoned her husband and children. The man who rescued her, when she stood there and took vows and looked in his eyes and he looked in her eyes and they said, for better or for worse, a death do you part. And... They went off on their honeymoon and then now they have these three kids and they've built this family together and then she's left him and made this mistake and part of the guilt and the shame, I can't even, even, I can't even wrap my mind around it. And she's sitting there and then he finds her. Not only does he find her, but he wants her back. Not only does he want her back, but he's going to pay for what's already his. I don't think that's what I would have done. I can't in my mind picture that. I can picture myself reminding her of everything she's done wrong 
and how you walked out on me and the kids and you abandoned us. And don't you remember what I did for you? You were on the street living and you were a prostitute and I come and rescued you, brought you home, gave you some children, gave you a home, a car to drive, took care of you, loved you, didn't cheat on you, but then you've done this. Let me remind you of everything. You, let me remind you of how the kids have been at home crying every day for their mama. And you up here on the slave block, the, the, it was a sex slave industry is what it is. You, you chose this? Well, good riddance. But that's not the love of the Lord. Aren't you glad God didn't tell us good riddance? Hmm. And in the fourth verse, the Spirit of the Lord comes on him. And he prophesies. He says, For the children of Israel shall abide many days without a king or a prince, without sacrifice or sacred pillar, without ephod or teraphim. And I think the fourth verse, the fifth verse, is, the, is there a fifth verse? I think there's, anybody got a Bible? There's a fifth verse? Talking about uh, you'll serve the God and your king David. Well, it's not actually talking about David, the one who uh, came after Saul, the king. David is talking about the son of David, talking about Jesus. Amen. See, they were in fear. They were always in fear. They were in fear. They are always in fear about what's going to happen, what's God going to do, and what's going to happen next. And what he's saying is, is that was that's now, but there's a time coming when you're not going to fear that way, but you're going to fear His love. You're going to have a reverence for His love. You're going to be in all of His goodness. The goodness, because it's the goodness of God that leads people to salvation. It's the goodness of God that people change their lives. Amen? Praise the Lord. And He says the day is coming. You know what He's talking about? He's talking about Jesus in other words, Hosea is saying, this right here, this is it. What I just did, me, this is a type and shadow of the things to come. You're already His, but you've gone back into sin. But guess what? I love you so much, I'm going to come and rescue you. I'm going to marry you again. I'm going to forgive you. The name Hosea means salvation, and the name Gomer means completion. Do you see there that salvation is complete when Jesus comes on the scene? Amen. And just like Hosea looking and looking and looking, and the Bible doesn't tell us how long he looked and how many days or weeks or months that he looked, that he kept looking, he kept looking, he kept looking till he found her. He won't ever stop looking. I just want to tell you, God won't stop looking. Jesus will always be pursuing you. He'll never stop looking. He'll never stop, he'll never stop cheering. He'll never stop staring at you. He's just staring at you. Just staring at you. That's because he loves you and he'll never stop. You know he had to go and search in some despicable places. But he completes you. When he finds you, he completes you. He completes you. Amen. You know, the religious people asked Jesus one time, they said, Why are you hanging out with all these sinners? And all these tax collectors keep hanging out with them. What's a righteous man like you hanging out with these sinners and tax collectors? And he actually starts quoting Hosea, and they don't even necessarily realize it, but he's quoting, he's talking to Jews, he's talking to religious people that know the Bible, but he's saying, hey, it's, I didn't come to seek and save, I did come to seek and save the lost. It's not the well that need a physician, but the sick. And he's talking about the, the love of God and what he's telling them is, I'm him. I am him. I am the Hosea. I came and I'm going to die for you. I am the completion. I am your salvation. I am the one you've been looking for. And he says, I'm desiring mercy, not sacrifice. Amen. Amen. I'm Hosea. And I'll pay. It was dirty work, wasn't it? It was dirty work, a man of God going into places like that. How dirty was it? It's dirty. It was dirty. You're talking about dysfunctional, messed up, jacked up craziness. It was a dirty, it's dirty work. 
It's dirty work. I think about Jesus getting on the ground when the woman was caught in the act of adultery and he gets down on his knee and he puts his hand in the dirt and there's a whole lot to get to, 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 to get from that portion of Scripture. But I don't think he's afraid to put his hand in the dirt in your dirty, messed up life. Saving Gomer is dirty work. And then I look at this story and realize that I'm Gomer. I'm Gomer. And it just, it'll totally wreck you. It should wreck you. And some people, man, you feel like, you know, you've done every sin in the book. I've done them all. Check the box. There's nothing I haven't done. There's no sin. There's no drug. There's There's nothing. I've done it all. I've done everything. And other people... Perhaps the worst thing you've ever done was you were in a convenience store and you, you took a double take at the Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition. But you're still Gomer. We like to give it levels. We like to give sin levels, don't we? One's worse than the other. But when I realized that I'm Gomer, and then I realized there's a lot of other Gomers out there. There's a lot of Gomers out there. There's a whole lot of Gomers out there that need to experience the love of God just the same way as I did. In 1 John, the the fourth chapter in the ninth verse, In this the love of God was manifested towards us that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. In this love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. That means He took our place. That was a diversion. What He deserved diverted to us and what we deserve diverted to Him. He took our place. He became sin. He hung on the cross. He who knew no sin, He became the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and His love has been perfected in us. When you realize that you are Gomer, You'll do whatever it takes to let the other gomers know how much he loves you, how much he loves them. God will wreck your plans. He will absolutely wreck your plans. You don't think he wrecked Hosea's plans? You don't think Hosea had something else in life that he probably thought he'd be doing other than down on 4th Avenue trying to find his wife or having a big wedding with his prostitute wife. God will wreck your plans. I surrendered my life to him in my kitchen before the sun came up one morning and I said, I'm yours. I'm yours. I'm done. I'm finished. Like I'm, It's over. I'm yours. Whatever you want to do with this is not much, but it's yours. You, you, I didn't think I'd be up here. I didn't think I'd be preaching to people, teaching to people. I didn't think that. Never even crossed my mind. In fact, it was the farthest thing from my mind. Zero clues that would happen. God will wreck your plans. When I realize that I'm Gomer and how much He loves me and how much He's done for me and how much He's forgiven me for and how He saved me from the pits of hell and the life that He's given me is way better than I deserve. The worst thing that could ever happen to me is way better than I deserve. When I realize all that, what He's done for me, I wanted all the other Gomers in the world to know about Jesus. I just couldn't keep my mouth shut. I've got to tell them. I've got to tell them that God loves you. And you've been forgiven. Praise the Lord. 
He'll wreck your plans. So I'm going to end with this right here. If you were Hosea, if you were Hosea, if you were Hosea, and God said, go get Homer, go get her, would you do it? Gomer, not Homer, Gomer. It don't matter. It don't matter what her name is. It don't matter if her name's Susie. Hosea, go get her. Bring her back. Marry her again. Would you do it? That's the love of God. And He's certainly not asking us to do anything that He hasn't strengthened us or given us the power to do. Amen. That's the kind of love that this world needs to see. And wives, that's the kind of love your husband needs to see. And husbands, that's the kind of love that your wife needs to see. Because when you love her, you love him. And it's really not him. It's really him because he's in there. But I'm just doing that because you know who I'm talking about. And when you love him... You love Him. We're so loved, so loved, so loved. Who are we not to extend the love on to Gomer? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now, some people are here this morning and you feel like Gomer. You feel like her. And you don't feel like you even have the strength to even think about being Hosea or doing what Hosea did. And I understand that. Because I've been there too. But that's why he wants to rescue you. That's why he wants to bring you back. That's why he wants to love you and strengthen you and empower you so that you can be like Hosea and go back and get the other Gomers. I was talking to somebody yesterday. It's kind of like this. If you're a recovering alcoholic, you probably shouldn't hang out at the beer joint. But there is a point in time after you spent some time with the Lord and He strengthened you that you can go back to the beer joint and sit there and hang out all day and all night and it won't even bother you because you won't care anything about it. Praise the Lord. Sometimes you just got to sit there and soak in God's love for a while. And not to be selfish and say we don't care about others, but sometimes you got to get yourself yeah. straight, so to speak. Sometimes you just got to sit there and soak in the love, and you're, you're in it. You're like under a waterfall of forgiveness, and it, it just never stops. Just, just stand under that waterfall, amen? But if you were Hosea, would you go after Gomer? The world's full of Gomers. And we're called to go after them. Amen. How quickly we forget that we used to be Gomer. (laughs) How quickly we forget what God's done for us. We're just spoiled little Christians. That's just the truth. Amen. Did y'all get anything out of it today? Well, good. It's 1150. (laughs) 